This is The Guardian. Today, what the reaction to the felling of a tree tells us about the country mourning it. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. A very close friend of mine sent me a text message saying, your trees come down. And my first thought was, what, haven't got a tree in my garden? How's my tree come down? And she sent me a, a screenshot image and I was like, nah, that's, that's a horrible, disgusting hoax. Really good CGI, but disgusting hoax. So I sent the screenshot to my husband saying, look at this disgusting prank. And then he said, no, check the news. Let's take a look now at these videos from this morning. You can see the tree lying on its side next to the wall. Now, North Robin Vinter, the Guardian's North of England correspondent, files a quick take while she's still on the train on the way to work. Just a short piece that the nearly 300-year-old Sycamore Gap tree has been found cut down. But already, by the time she's in the office and more people are finding out about the news, it's clear that something is about to erupt. By the time I'd got to Manchester, I'd filed the story and had gone online, it started to dawn on me that this was going to be quite a big story. People have had their ashes scattered here. People have proposed here. I'm normally a pretty measured sort of guy, but this has made me incredibly angry. Well, I hope whoever's done that has uh, has a conscience because uh, you've just murdered a sentinel of time and elemental spirit of Northumberland. And I said, I think someone's going to have to go to Northumberland. As Robin makes her way to the spot near Hadrian's Wall where the tree stood, about 20 minutes' drive from a town called Hexham, the people she's meeting on the way, they all have a story complete strangers around her. They all want to talk about the tree. One of the people I spoke to about the tree was someone who had got engaged there and it was obviously such a meaningful place to her. She would be bringing her children in the years following and, you know, just just described being absolutely forlorn, like completely heartbroken by it. At the site in the Northumberland National Park, the police are there investigating and even they tell Robin they're overwhelmed by what's happened. I had come out of a meeting and looked at Twitter and saw a a photograph of it and I I honestly didn't think it was real. And then I realised that it was real and I was just devastated but also incandescent with anger. People get in touch with The Guardian, just wanting to tell someone what it meant to them. People like Hayley Graham, who got engaged there. And I remember coming over all the hills and it was just magnificent. Seeing that tree for the first time from that angle was just magical. It was, it was so green, it was thick, it was luscious. And there was no other people around. There was literally just me and my partner. And when I turned around, my husband was on his, on his knee. It was just beautiful. In England, the felling of the Sycamore Gap tree last week has set off a wave of grief and mourning that to a lot of people watching on has come as a surprise. 
Everyone wants to know who did this, who cut the tree down. But another question's also come up. Why did this single sycamore tree mean so much to people? For Guardian columnist George Monbiot, it wasn't just that the tree was beautiful, that it looked good on Instagram. People were mourning the loss of something much greater. These things are really important to us because they tell us that life goes on. There is meaning, there is purpose. If you can see what your ancestors have done and then you can imagine what your descendants might see. But if that's cut off, if the past is cut off, then in a strange kind of way, the future is cut off too. From The Guardian, I'm Michael Safi. Today in Focus. Why Britain is mourning the sycamore gap tree. So Robin, you set out to the Northumberland National Park, to the site where this tree had been standing just a few hours before. What did you see when you got there? We hiked up to the site. You could see two hills and then what looked like a small bush in between, and it was the leaves of the tree that had been cut down. The stump would have been a metre across, probably a little bit more. I was a bit taken aback. It's quite a big tree. To see it like that is heartbreaking. It was early afternoon. A lot of people had gathered. The scene was taped off with a piece of police tape attaching from one part of Hadrian's Wall around to the other part. And it was quite windy. Police tape had been weighted down with bits of wall. Robin, what were people doing at the site? When you spoke to them, what did they say about what had happened? It was interesting because a lot of people had kind of come for just a quiet moment. By the time I'd got up there, somebody had left like a single rose at the site. For a lot of people, it did feel like it was akin to the death of a person because especially in that area, it's so iconic. Um, you know, the local pub, the their logo is the tree. People have mentioned scattering ashes of loved ones at the tree. And while I was there, I spotted Northumbria Police and Crime Commissioner Kim McGuinness. I've said that so many times today. It's like grief. Mm. It turned out when, when I was talking to her. So sit in. do you want to sit in the cup? Yes. Up a bit. Um, the tree had actually featured on her wedding invitations and when her wedding couldn't go ahead because of COVID, her husband-to-be had given her a piece of artwork that featured the tree, which was very sweet. And I don't think you will, you'll find very many people around here who haven't got a picture of this on their wall or haven't been here or celebrated something here. And everybody feels a bit of ownership. The reason everyone feels almost grief is because we all feel like it's ours yeah. and it's been taken. When you think about those birthdays and anniversaries and proposals and scattering the ashes and the photographs when there was the Northern Lights and all of those incredible things, this is something that brings people joy and it brings people peace and it gives them memories and they've taken it away and it's really hard to understand why anybody would ever do that. It's just a very, very meaningful place for people and just a very, very beautiful spot. For a lot of people, it's a part of their life. I'm Gary Toward. I'm 63. I'm a retired head teacher. The first time I visited Sycamore Gap was on a school trip when I was 11, and it was because we were studying the Romans. One of the things that we did was walk along Hadrian's Wall for a mile or so 
and uh, lo and behold, Sycamore Gap. You just couldn't miss it. We were told to imagine that we were looking out towards Scotland with all of the, the marauding Picts heading toward us. I've been drawn back to that place in the wall year after year. You could stand there on the worst of days and the best of days and be transported. I first heard the news story. It actually flashed up on my phone and I, I opened it and read the news report. And uh, I, my first thought was, I think I might be sick here. Uh, I actually felt genuinely, genuinely ill. And my emotions have, have reeled backwards and forwards from a very, very powerful anger about it. And then that change to to just deep sadness and I th that is stuck with me I still I still wake up in the morning and it, it 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 pops into my mind and people have asked me isn't it just a tree well no it's it, it's it's a lot more than that the northeast has got a very powerful sense of community and a very powerful sense of us if you like and there are certain Images and, and places in the Northeast that are incredibly powerful and hold people. So the Tyne Bridge, the Angel of the North, the River Tyne, Holy Island, these sort of places, they're very sacred to the people of the Northeast. I think that if somebody had demolished the Tyne Bridge or had demolished the Angel of the North, yeah, that there would be outrage, but this is different. This is a, a, a living sculpture. Robin, the site you visited last Thursday wasn't just a scene of mourning, it was a crime scene. What were the clues that police looked at to determine who might have done this? Initially, it had been such a shock and, and kind of such an unusual crime that, that the police had kind of taped off the area with police tape and were doing initial inquiries. But it wasn't actually until the next day that forensic teams were brought in. So on Friday morning, there were people in the usual kind of forensic gear, full white coveralls with the hoods. They were wearing like kind of turquoise gloves. And they'd come in initially and appeared to be measuring the cuts uh, that the chainsaw had made. Mm. Um and taking some samples of the sawdust that was left behind as well. What I kind of learned over time was that this isn't just something that can be done with a chainsaw that you can buy at B&Q. It was done with professional equipment. If they can find the chainsaw that did it, they should be able to match it up. Oh, so the chainsaw might still have clues on it. That's right, yeah. It would be matching the DNA of the tree to any DNA left on the chainsaw. Wow, I mean, like, um, like a body. Yeah, exactly. And then actually later on in the day, they brought in um, some tree surgeons from the National Trust who took a slice of the top of the stump and of the other part of the tree to make sure that they could get all the evidence from that and take it to the lab because there was a, a line drawn on there in paint that they could match up with potentially with paint that someone might might still have. And I spoke to the tree surgeons who had taken those samples afterwards and they said the person who did it is somebody who knows how to cut a tree down. The cleanness and professionalism of the cut was something that really interested the tree surgeons that that saw it. And it was obviously a very sharp chainsaw as well. So it was somebody with good equipment. So tell me about that. Tell me about how the investigation into this has unfolded over the past week. 
On Friday morning, police said they'd arrested a 16-year-old boy on suspicion of criminal damage in connection um, with the with the felling of the tree. Northumbria police have launched a full investigation and they've just arrested a 16-year-old boy. They say anyone found to be responsible can expect to be dealt with swiftly and appropriately. But this the 16-year-old is- hasn't been named, which is quite common when a child's arrested. And they were released on police bail in the early hours. And then the next day came the news of the arrest of a man in his 60s who was then also bailed. just want to uh, bring you some uh, breaking news just uh, coming into us um, regarding that uh, famous uh, sycamore tree. A second person has now been arrested in connection with the felling of the famous sycamore tree next to Hadrian's Wall in Northumberland. And Robin, if somebody is found guilty of this, firstly, what could they be charged with? And then what kind of penalties could they face? Well, it's interesting because illegally cutting a tree down is an unlimited fine. But people feel so strongly about this. Speaking to people at the site, a lot of them really thought that somebody should serve prison time for this. Interestingly, with a fine, usually people's personal circumstances are taken into account. Um, So we might not really see what feels like a very significant punishment in the end. George Monbiot, what did you first think when you heard this centuries-old sycamore tree had been cut down? Uh, It was another one of those heart-sinking moments when you think, oh, the sheer stupid vandalism of it. Um, Yeah, it's heartbreaking. And then we've seen that that view is one that is really widely shared across the community. Why do you think there's been such a profound reaction to what is, after all, a single tree? I think we really love our waymarks, our our navigation tools, where we navigate not just the physical landscape, but also our lives and the lives that have gone before. It's a piece of nature. From what you're saying, it's a piece of heritage too. Yeah, it's a very important piece of heritage because it, it... created such a strong landscape feature. Do you think in the case of the Sycamore Gap tree that part of its appeal was its obvious beauty, its photogenic quality? Or do you think that the love for it was driven by a sense of its ecological significance? I've only seen photos of it, but it was so striking the way it occupied the bottom of the bowl almost as if it had rolled from one edge to the other edge and then down and down and down and hit that exact plumb bottom of that bowl in the landscape. And the way it was framed by the rising wall around it was very special. I mean, really quite magical. It was a work of art as much as a work of nature. Its ecological value was not great. It's a sycamore. (laughs) It's not native to this country, so it doesn't support many species. But its aesthetic and landscape value was enormous. But each year in the UK and around the world, millions of trees are knocked down and deforested, with most of us barely noticing. I mean, do you see a contradiction there? Like, are we kind of missing a much larger tragedy that seems to play out all the time, every day when it comes to trees? We, we do miss that tragedy. It's true. But 
at the same time, I think this symbolizes it. And, and we see in the grief over this one tree, a distillation of grief over the many trees. There are far too few old trees in, in the UK. Um, we, we have a great dearth of wrinkly, crinkled, gnarly old trees, which are magnificent to our eyes, but also really important for nature. In fact, one of the things most missing uh, from UK ecosystems is holes. One of the reasons for that is we don't have nearly enough old, manky, decaying trees. You're saying and holes, literal holes in trees. Holes, li- literally holes. That's where so many species, they need holes to, to nest, to roost, to hide, uh, to store their food. There are loads and loads of species. For them, holes are essential. We might be oblivious to the details of ecology, but there's some sense in which we're aware that we are missing something very important, and that thing is age. That thing is these old landscape features, and particularly the old trees. And when you say that, I think that one of the things that made this tree particularly striking in a visual sense was that it was... It was on its own. It wasn't surrounded mm. by a, a wood of of its species. Well, it's it was one of the very few trees in the Scottish borders. They're amazingly bare, not because they're hostile to tree life, as you could see from that sycamore. Uh, trees can thrive in, in that landscape, but because primarily they're nibbled out by sheep as the seedlings grow, the sheep seek them out because they're very nutritious. And so when the old trees die, there's nothing to replace them. And it's astonishing that we're doing nothing about it. I mean, the sheep is a a more powerful agent of deforestation than the chainsaw. George, this tree was felled the day after the State of Nature 2023 report was released. Among its findings was that one in six species are at risk of extinction in the UK, according to wildlife experts. When you see the incredible depth of feeling for this tree, alongside the environmental damage that, that is happening in the country every day, is there a kind of opportunity there to harness the love that people clearly feel for aspects of nature to kind of widen their lens to what's happening in nature in, in other senses? There's an extraordinary disconnect in the UK. You know, we're possibly the most nature-loving country in the world. We, we have these huge NGOs, the National Trust, the RSPB, the Wildlife Trust, some of which are the biggest NGOs, the biggest non-governmental organizations of any kind on earth. And yet, wildlife is in freefall in this country. You know, we all love our wildlife programs, and yet around us, everything's falling down and, and sliding down a, a very steep slope towards extinction. Uh, and why is this? Why, why haven't we been able to mobilise this public love of nature and ensure that we not only protect our nature but restore it, uh, rewild um, m- many of our landscapes and seascapes to bring back the species which are disappearing so fast? And I think there has been a real failure among the big conservation groups, a failure to take on the forces of destruction, a failure to be sufficiently brave, a failure to mobilise those vast memberships of theirs for the change we need to see. Well, do you think this incident and the reaction of the public to it gives us any clues about how to change that? 
Well, it's interesting that this outpouring is happening at the same time as the Conservative government is trying to use environmental issues as a wedge issue to differentiate itself from the Labour Party and to whip up hatred of environmental measures and environmental protections. And I think what this shows us is that that's not going to work. I really hope it's not going to work. They're not going to succeed in turning this into a culture war issue because we love nature. We love the living world. We want to see it thriving. Coming up, the Sycamore Gap tree is gone. So what should go in its place? Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash todayinfocus. Robin, What's going to happen now at the site where the sycamore tree stood a bit over a week ago? Almost immediately, people had ideas of what they wanted to see happen. So there's lots of people who have said, let's leave it to nature. You know, if the tree regrows, then it'll regrow. But it's quite an old tree. But the National Trust have taken cuttings from the tree. They've taken seeds. They're going to try and cultivate something from them. Other people have talked about there are ways of transplanting quite a mature tree, but there's a lot of difficulty. Hadrian's Wall is there and it runs very, very closely to the tree. So it would be quite difficult to transplant a new tree there. I'm sure that the community will have incredible ideas about what should happen here next. Um, And I think it's important that the community is involved in what happens here next because of that sense of ownership. The framing of the tree and the shape of the tree was 
something very, very special. I'd like to see a new tree, but that's not going to happen in my lifetime. So I did wonder whether what is left of the tree could be somehow encased in steel and an actual steel canopy of a tree created in sculptural form that if you were going past on the military road or you were walking the path, you would see what you saw, but preserved and also with the link inside it to the past, the original tree. The, the current tree that's lying on its side, it's like a fallen soldier. It can't just be left there. I would love for the foliage, so that the leaves and some of the, uh, the twigs and the branches, to be cast into like some kind of resin to make like various keepsakes. I would love to have like a resin coin of the leaves, like a token that I can keep in my pocket forever. And Robin, in the meantime, some local people have taken what comes next into their own hands. Tell me about that. Yeah, so a 27-year-old guy called Kieran Chapman went up at the weekend and planted a sapling. And he did it really just because everyone was so devastated about it that he wanted to try and restore people's faith in humanity. But the National Trust went up there and with his permission and, and in partnership with him, have moved it now to a to a different spot. A lot of people were talking about Anthony Gormley, the artist doing some things. So obviously he's responsible for the Angel of the North. He's he's kind of a significant presence in the area. But it is going to be controversial. It is going to be difficult because, you know, some people very, feel very strongly that a man-made thing shouldn't be there. Other people feel quite strongly that they should be using the wood from the tree that was cut down to make something. George, there's been debate over how to mark what's happened and how to move forward. Talk of putting some kind of sculpture in place, of of replanting the same species of tree. What would you like to see done? What do you think would be the right way to mark what this tree meant, but also harness this moment to direct people's attention to the issues that really matter? Well, well, I think the guy who went and planted another sycamore there was actually on the right track. And yeah. that was fine. <laughs> What's the problem? And the National Trust goes and digs it up again because you can't do something in a scheduled ancient monument. And I understand that, but it just seemed really bureaucratic. Now, I know, you know we shouldn't all be taking the law into our own hands, but this is a, a good way of doing it. You know, the person who cut it down took the law into their own hands in a really, really terrible way, but someone was trying to heal that gap in the landscape. Well, Robin said earlier that whoever did this might just end up getting a fine or something. Should there be stronger laws in place to discourage people from doing this kind of thing again? Something I've been calling for for a while is that you should need permission to cut down any tree older than 100 years. And the reason for that is that we are desperately short of old trees in this country. And you're not going to get a 200-year-old tree if you cut down all the 100-year-old trees. And we have this slightly perverse system where we'll put a preservation order on a particularly old tree, but not on a tree which will be particularly old if only we let it stand. And so there's there's nothing to follow on from the ancient trees that, that we're protecting. And and it's you know, there's no substitute for an ancient tree, or, or for that matter, an ancient anything else. Uh, you, you, you can't recreate it. You can't offset it. You can't create a biodiversity offset and say, oh, well, here's, here's another tree that'll be ancient one day. <laughs> it just doesn't work like that. 
we need more old trees in the landscape. And the only way to do that is to protect the fairly old trees. So, in short, protecting old trees matters just as much as planting new ones. Yeah, I mean, tree planting is slightly overrated because in a lot of places, you don't need to plant trees. You, you just need to allow trees to regenerate naturally. And nature's very good at that. And wherever there's a seed bank, the trees will return. George Monbiot, thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Mike. And that was George Monbiot, an author and Guardian columnist whose work can be found at theguardian.com. Thanks also to Robin Vinter, The Guardian's North of England correspondent, and everyone who shared their recollections with us of the Sycamore Gap tree. Before we go, if you aren't already a subscriber to Politics Weekly America, you should be, because this week, Jonathan Friedland talks to America's top doctor, the Surgeon General Vivek Morthy, who's warning about a growing epidemic of loneliness and isolation in the US. He explains why he thinks political leaders of all stripes need to take this phenomenon more seriously, as well as how his own experience with isolation influences his role as the so-called nation's doctor. Just search Politics Weekly America wherever you listen to Today in Focus, and that is it for today and for this week. This episode was produced by Ruth Abrahams, Tom Glasser, and George McDonough. Sound design was by Solomon King. The executive producer was Homer Khalili, and we'll be back with you on Monday. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.